Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Harlan is on. Ooh, it's I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel Lynn Lindsay. Rachel Lynn Lindsay. Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's. Whoa, Alzheimer's? There's no T? We used to call it Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. How did it go to See, that's a misconception. That's a misconception. So the reason Van's bringing that up is because there, um, an event that we've been planning for about six months now finally happened. It was a luncheon. It was called Peace of Mind. And it was all about um, awareness about Alzheimer's, but really speaking to a younger audience because the misconception is, oh, it happens to you when you're older. But research shows that People in their 30s are showing signs, indicators, or being diagnosed with dementia. And so this, we had a panel in addition to a speech that my friend Katie and I gave, we were co-chairs, about having a support system, um, preventative measures that you can take, simple steps, and then also about showing support, not just to those who are who have the disease, but also the caretakers, because it's a lot. Um, and we shared a little bit of our personal stories. My grandmother had it. Katie's grandmother had it. One thing that I've learned in research is that it affects black women more than any other group. Is that true? Black women, man. Yeah. It's tough. My grandmother had it. Her stepsisters had it. And two of my aunts had it. Shit. And it's scary. So like we want people to not be afraid to talk about it. You don't want to talk about it because... You're constantly wondering, especially as prevalent as it is in my family. I'm like, is it going to, am I next? Is my parent next? Is my sibling next? And so we want to get rid of the stigma of being afraid to talk about it and create an awareness. So this was bringing like younger people, leaders, entrepreneurs, influencers into a room to hopefully, you know, spread the word and, you know, create more awareness. So it was really good. We had over 200 people there. Wow. Um, first time we're doing it, hopefully more. Van how, was the, how was the food? Uh, so yeah, the I meal wanted to, was I wanted to make it. I wanted to make it, but I, I forgot. know you had a flight. You had a flight. Oh, see, I was covering for you. I was covering for you. You missed the joke. You missed the joke. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Missed the humor in that. <laughs> oh, um, um, the food, no, the food, yeah, the meal like, was the meal that was at the Beverly Hills Hotel. The meal was sweet. catered and the it was um cultivated by uh one of the panelists to have certain foods that shouldn't be in it. Mm. Because it was it was like it, there was education, but it was also about like living more of a simple, healthier life. So, like for example, the food wasn't cooked in seed oil. It was cooked in, yeah. Seed oil. It was cooked, yeah, like grapeseed oil, like a lot of the, the times people cook with that. It was cooked with olive oil. So like little things like that. So there was salmon, there was chicken. There's something else, I can't remember. Salmon and chicken? But you guys I had think fun. a vegan meal. Yeah, it was, it was really nice. It was really nice. Yeah. You missed out. Yeah. Kalika was there. Seemed like a, seemed like a hoot. Seemed like a hoot to me. A lot of fun times going on. You know, we didn't talk about the Cowboys last week. You feel you still feeling the way you were feeling before? 
I missed the game. I was doing BravoCon. That's why we didn't talk about it. I knew so it was you, a you big game. I you didn't see it. You didn't see what happened. So it's like it's it's a situation to where like you kind of don't see what happens when it happens towards them because LSU lost too. But you didn't you didn't see what happened to the Cowboys. You said they're going to the I NFC Championship game. Are you keeping the same energy or are you you're, you're over it? No, I'm not over it. I just was busy during that time. I saw the score. There's no need for me to go back and watch the loss. Texas had a great game. I, I mean, I was following the score, but they let them come back on them almost lost, but won it over time. So that was a let me tell you something. interesting game. I'm going to LSU game next week. I watched the first episode of The Real Housewives of Potomac. You're in. Let me tell you something. My list You're has not in. changed. My list hasn't changed, man. I think I what can Mia see why you her, would say that, though. My, 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 I think what Mia and her husband are going through is very humanizing. You know, they lost their business. Obviously, this nigga did something shady. I don't know if you guys saw it. He obviously did something shady. No one just, like, pops up and just makes you lose the business. You know what I'm saying? Like, nobody makes you just... You don't just lose the business. You know what I'm saying? But... What you know, business uh, are you talking about? He they kicked him out of the joint chiropractic. Oh, you're talking about. his family. Are you watching Gordon? It? Gordon. Yeah, 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 yeah. They kicked, Gordon. Them, they kicked him out of the joint chiropractic situation. So it's like, you know, I, I'm looking at them and I'm saying to myself, I'm saying, that's a real American family right there. That's that's dealing with real <laughs> issues. You like them. I, you know what? I enjoyed Mia at BravoCon. Like she's, she definitely wasn't at the top of my list, but I, I mean, we have to make a list, but I enjoyed her at BravoCon. One thing about Mia is she's all over the place with her timelines and stuff. That's a running joke, but she's also very honest. Now she's like, of course I married Gordon for money. Obviously. Damn. <laughs> like, but I mean, Gordon's 70 something. She's in her 30s. Mm-hmm. Gordon knows that. He wanted a younger, pretty woman who was down to explore things sexually. They're very open. Oh, sex about, daddy. They're very open about how they bring other people into the bedroom. They do, yeah. they experiment with a lot of stuff. And Mia was willing to do all of that. Do you it's so um, good? That first episode anything- started off so good. Do you think there's anything wrong with marrying for money? I don't, as long as both parties are aware of it and fine with it. Right. Because I do think the other person gets something out of it too. Do you think a marriage can be long lasting based upon just marrying for financial reasons? Can it be a real marriage? Like that's the only thing. Like you're not attracted. You don't have a good time with them. It's well, I mean, I'm money. imagining that at some point there's going to be like a uh, some sort of respect that ends up happening, or you know, or whatever. But it, it can the foundation of a marriage, a successful marriage, be financial? I think if you're honest, mm. right? Because the financial thing is going to be one sided. So the other person, if you're honest, and the other person wants you for a particular reason too. Right. They want you because... If you think about that with every relationship, right? 
there's certain things that your significant other wants from you and you might are attracted to them for a totally different reason. Maybe it's not money. Maybe it's because they're funny. Maybe it's because they're pretty. Maybe it's because they're, they have this huge family and you came from a small family. Like they're all different th- reasons why we fall for someone. And I think, you know what I mean? Like, why does it have no, to be worse? I, I, I always wondered, I always wondered, honestly, I would marry for money. I guess what, what makes, what makes money the third rail? What makes money the thing? Cause, well, I guess with some of these other things, there's an expectation, right? If you marry somebody because, or if you get with someone because they're super beautiful, there's an expectation that that's going to lead to some sort of feeling. And a lot of people think that marrying someone for money or marrying someone because they're rich is always about convenience and it doesn't really have anything to do with anything emotional. But that doesn't necessarily mm. always have to be the case. You can have been with somebody because they have a lot, but then you respect them. You're attracted to them because they have authority. You're attracted to them because they're security. You're attracted to them because of whatever. And that love can be there, but the basis can still be financial. It's interesting. That's why when so, people care. Yeah, me, like the money, it could be a lot of money and you could be attracted to ambition, power, security, yeah. stability, gifts, stability, gifts, vacations. Vacation. Access. Access. I just made my case. Yeah, yeah. Fucking get. <laughs> Judge Van Lathan rules in favor of the oh, oh, legal eagle Rachel Lindsay. <laughs> Everybody go marry for money. <laughs> um, all right, guys, we got a big show. A lot of shit happening right now. Okay. Uh, the Republicans took it on the fucking chin. Um, we're going to talk about it on the other side of the break. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. That's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life. With premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Okay. Election day. Abortion was on the ballot. Everywhere. And yep. the right got kicked in the ass. Okay, we're still feeling the fall off of the Dobbs decision. Right. It seemed as if the voters sided not just with, uh, you know, not just against, should I say, what the um, Republicans did with vote with with abortion rights, but also with Biden's agenda, the White House uh, took a victory lap. Virginia, Kentucky, Ohio say elections, and they say that this is a validation for the job that Joe Biden is doing and for the direction that the country is headed in. Donnie, give me the audio. President Biden's values and agenda won big across the country last night. In Kentucky, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and in Virginia, voters once again sided with President Biden's agenda to stand up 
for fundamental freedoms and build an economy for the middle class and protect democracy. Now let's turn to Ohio for a second. On the heels of an attempt to weaken voters' voices at the ballot box in August, the people of Ohio voted decisively last night to make reproductive care a constitutional right in their state. Ohio is now the seventh state where voters turned out in droves to reject, reject attempts by Republican elected officials to impose extreme abortion bans since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. And from Kentucky to Virginia to Pennsylvania, voters in those states also turned out to roundly reject abortion bans that jeopardize the health and the lives of women, force women to travel hundreds of miles for care, and threaten to criminalize doctors and nurses. The stakes could not have been higher. And last night, voters sent a very, very clear message. We have always said that voting matters and polls do not. That's kind of long right there. She went kind of long. It's a little, you know, just, little long. Okay, just, yeah, you know, give us the shit and beat it. You know? <laughs> okay. Uh, um, control of the House, uh, both chambers of the House in Virginia, um, where Glenn Youngkin is the governor. Also, and I'm so happy about this, man. I want to shout about out. Youngkin? Nah, not about Youngkin. <laughs> I want to shout out Daniel Cameron right now, man. Oh, we moved to Kentucky. Okay. <laughs> I want to shout out Daniel Cameron. Daniel, a black woman got killed in her bed. She was sleeping. You thought these motherfuckers was with you, Daniel. Daniel made the typical classic nigga mistake. He thought he had danced good enough to be <laughs> invited to the party. It's happened before. Happened to OJ. It's happened happened before, man. Happened a lot. Happened it's to happened a, lot a lot of lot. people. It's happened to a lot of people. And Daniel fucking Cameron, they said, nigga, get back to the field. He lost the Kentucky governorship to Andy Brashear, who had been the governor there for a while. He flipped the black blue back in 2019. And Daniel thought that running um, after he had received all this national attention for being an asshole and backing right. the cops in Breonna Taylor's situation, he thought he had endeared himself to the people there of Kentucky. And it turns out not. Hope you got what you wanted, Daniel. You're now going to wear the scarlet letter of being a dick for the rest of your career. There you have it. Rachel, what do you think about this? Does this say anything? Have, 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 have we written what? the eulogy of the Democrats too fast? It, yes, I think you have. And I think that, but you're not alone. I think, well, no, I mean, anybody who's been following along for the last month knows that you've been on them dims. And I think that you're not alone in uh -huh. everything that you've been expressing. But I've been of this whole mindset of, I'm not on that same train. I don't, I'm not saying that you can't pay attention to the polls, but I just don't think the polls are necessarily saying what is actually, what we're actually going to see in 2024. I don't think that people are taking into consideration who may be taking these polls or why they're even voting a certain way or, or when it comes to them. They might just be dissatisfied, which a lot of people are with the way that Biden is, but it doesn't mean that, hey, just because 
I'm voting that I'm dis- I'm dissatisfied with Biden means that I will additionally vote against him in the upcoming election. He has a terrible approval rating, right? But does that mean that that's going to translate? That percentage means that those are the exact votes that he's going to get. No, not necessarily. We're a whole year out and we've seen this exact pattern before when it comes to um, not even, well, I was going to say midterms, but just a year before the election. It's too soon to tell. We haven't even had the primaries yet. But it also makes me think of something that we've been talking about, and that's the messaging. The messaging that you say you have been so disappointed with, the lack thereof of the Democrats, and the fact that the Democrats are blaming everybody but themselves. I thought about you after the election night on Tuesday, and I'm like, well, somehow the message that Democrats are putting out there is getting to the voters because in these local and state elections, they got the message, they went to the polls and they voted for Democrats or for progressive policies in their states, progressive laws in their states. So I don't know, like I thought about your argument. I'm like, I don't know, Van, not necessarily the case. Hmm. Well, do you feel different? I should ask you, do you feel different? After I feel, I feel what more, happened I, on election today. Yeah. Yeah, I feel I feel more hopeful. Um, I think that anybody that's been paying attention to things in terms of uh where things stand, particularly on abortion, this is in with trends in terms of the fact that a reaffirming reproductive rights has happened all over this country. And mm-hmm. so that issue. Uh, Dobbs in and of itself is going to be a poison pill politically for the right. They thought that they won. They lost. It might have actually been a Pyrrhic victory for them. So I think that that's something that when we're talking about, you know, progressive situations, progressive measures on the ballot, if it has to do with reproductive rights, it's a losing issue for for the Republicans. Um, I do think that the important thing to remember is that these are state and local elections, which in my opinion makes them more important. I think that it's very reassuring to see that people in, in states and municipalities all over the country have faith in left-leaning uh, politicians to get things done for them. And that's very important to see. And that does, in a way, like cut against some mass exodus from the Democratic Party. In a federal election, uh, be it senator, be it president, I think there's probably a little bit more of two things. One is a group feeling of a national identity. Like uh, there's more of of an unsaid understanding of the country as a whole. that's actually not as important as it is to vote on what you believe in that affects, you know, the area where you live. State and local elections to me are much more important. They are. Yeah. But I think as we see things volleyed around on the federal level, there's a sense of American dissatisfaction. Sure. And that there's, I don't know that anything that I saw on Tuesday or Wednesday cuts against that. Now, if I'm not, I'm not even sure how much the president campaigned for any of these people that really that 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 won. I'm not saying that it's not that it's necessarily not the case, uh, 
that people are saying, hey, we like the direction of the country. I'm not saying that that's not the case. I'm just saying I don't know that this uh, that this affirms that. I will say this, though. It's better news than bad news. Sure. So if you're if you're in the White House right now, you got to kick your feet up. And if you're on the right right now, you have to believe that despite whatever problems I might have with the administration, and it's not necessarily problems with the administration, it's problems with the Democrats, that whatever problems I might have with the Democrats, whatever issues I might have with uh, their political establishment and what they've done over the last couple of generations or what they haven't done, that America seems to be slipping away from the right. America seems to to, to have when I say America, I don't mean they're diehards. I'm talking about people in places everywhere think that some of the overreaches by the right, particularly the far right, as it deals with their bodily autonomy, as it deals with uh, their ability to read and be educated in certain ways, a lot of the social issues that the right has made their calling card over the past 10 years, they don't seem to be resonating with Americans. They lose a lot of elections. And you're proving by the, the point that I feel like I was trying to make last week and that what I'll say again and maybe in a little different way is that this country, majority of Americans are not extreme. And when you talk about the Democrats' message versus the Republicans' message, the Republicans' message may be more simple, you know, faith, family, freedom, guns, you know, taking away women's rights, whatever it may be. It's simple, but it's extreme. And I, and if I'm a Republican, this is an, op- this, what's happening, what happened in the 2022 midterms, what's happened, what happened in election night on Tuesday to me is a huge call for action that we need to change what it is that we're doing because the extreme message is backfiring on us. And to me, they're the ones who need to get their message together because all this is doing is turning moderates to more, whether they consider it progressive or liberal or not, to make sure that they don't want to move towards that extreme side of things. So to me, I think what the Dems are doing is working because what they're doing is not falling into a form of extremism that the Republicans are doing. And I also don't think that the Democrats need to get comfortable by what happened in 2022 or 2023, because what has been consistent as well is that Americans are dissatisfied with President Biden. And I think that they need to continue to, you know, what have a stronger message put Biden out there as a leader, make Biden, you know, be more, not just vocal, but active on some of the things that he promised as he's preparing for 2024. Not necessarily so the polling can go up. My fear is that the dissatisfaction will transfer into people not voting at all for him. So they need to keep their foot on the gas and keep going. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, for me, this is the way I look at it. I I am to the point you know, voting in America, it's not its not as much of a sport as we make it out to be. Politics isn't the sport that we make it out to be. It's really a, a, a choice between Coke and Pepsi, and you have to drink one. So mm-hmm. you drink, sometimes you drink the thing that you like the most, and sometimes you drink the thing that is the, less, the least objectionable to you. You know, if you're hungry and you have to eat, sometimes you eat the thing that's not going to make you sick, okay? Um, and I get that, and I understand that. What I do think, though, and the reason why I'm um, 
I am where I am mentally on all of this is because I do believe that there is a gas tank for what an electorate will accept if they're not motivated by what they're seeing from people. Um, if you're playing every game hoping that the team across from you is going to be bad enough to lose it every time, that is when you have cataclysm every once in a while. And the reason why Dobbs happened is because Donald Trump was voted to a federal office. And into that federal office, he was able to eject the judges that he wanted. And a lot of that ha- had to do with, number one, a bad candidate in 16. Nothing personal, but a bad candidate in 16. I voted for bad candidate. And also because as much as I love President Obama, um, once again, loved him then, like him now. As much as I loved him, there was a tendency from some portions of the left to talk over, past, or uh, just like around some of the issues and feelings of average Americans, right? Mm. It's like the smarter you are, the, the, the more likely it is that you'll vote for us. Statistically true, but that doesn't mean that you have to stop talking. And what we're seeing now is with the amount of misinformation that's out there, we're seeing these lines get blurred a little bit. And it is incumbent upon political leaders in both parties, but particularly on the left, to make sure that their messaging um, is crystal clear. And I don't think that's happening. And what I also don't think, I was talking to Mm -hmm. Ja about this before we jumped on, is that blaming the electorate for not understanding you is a way to do that. Like Deion Sanders gave a press conference a couple of days, a couple of weeks ago after Colorado had uh, taken a loss. And I love Coach Prime and what he's doing. And he said something during the press conference. He goes, you know, they asked him about the line and like what he was going to do to fix the line. And one thing he said was one thing we got to do to fix the line is we got to get better linemen. If you're sitting in that seat as the head coach of a team with the linemen that you brought to your school, with mm-hmm. the people that you have on your team, you can't say that. You can't say that. And I know that he knows that now because ever since then, he's been subtly walking that back, praising, talking up his line and all of that. Yeah, that you was bad. You can't say that. You can't say the people that are relying on you for leadership and guidance and relying on you to put them in position to succeed. You can't say they're the reason why you can't do it. You're the mm-hmm. one making thirty million dollars uh, for for your contract. You're the one making four or five million dollars a year, whatever. So either you figure out how to win or you lose together. And so sometimes what I see now is because there have been some pretty glaring policy failures that the Biden administration has had. A lot of great stuff too, and we've talked about it here on the podcast that they get a, they should get a lot of credit for stuff. We can't get to the point to where it's like, we're doing a great job, and if you can't see it, you're not smart enough. Because I could also make an argument that this is the case. Let's say we take Sexy Red, right? Let's say we we, 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 we sing a lot of Sexy Red, we talk about Sexy Red. Well, I could make the argument that Sexy Red comes from a place, she's from Memphis. I don't know if everybody ever been over there, different places, Shelby Drive, North, South Memphis, whatever. I could make a an argument that those people in those places have been voting for Democrats She's not since from Memphis. She, she is, isn't she? She's from like Kansas City or something. Glorilla's oh, okay. from Memphis. Well, 
Glorilla's from Memphis. She got on with uh, Take Heat, so I thought she was from Memphis. So, so that, but that's tangential to my point. Like, w- my point is that in places where people like Sexy Red, black people, have mm-hmm. been voting for Democrats for the last, like the the St. Louis, same type of place, right? St. St. Louis is a place where you know it's uh, you have places like Ferguson, you have. Uh, places you have East St. Louis, you have places that are heavily black, and um, places that black people are called to go out and vote for the Democrats. Why would she be less informed if we if we've been voting for the Democrats for the last fifty years, right? Near, almost sixty years now that we've been voting for the Democrats. Well, then why would she be less informed? Why would do you be dealing with an electorate? Why would you be dealing with a segment of society that doesn't understand civics? Is it a possibility that the reform and the repair in the schools in that area, is it a possibility that the lifestyles and the, 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 um, the, the, the daily lives of people who live in those areas that vote for Democrats haven't been affected enough to where education is a priority, to where stability is a priority. So you're essentially blaming the people that traditionally have voted for you because they're less educated. You're talking about civics class and you're talking about places where the schools are failing and you're talking about all of this stuff and you don't think that's your fault. You don't think you have any type, you must not, you must not think that you have any type of culpability in that. So what I could, if I wanted to, I could say, well, shit, we've been voting for you guys for 60 years. Why don't we know? Why why are our schools fucked up? Why, like, why are our, why is our thing so bad? Like, why are we so, uh, why do we still get diseases at this rate? Why is maternal mortality still like this? Why are these things like this if we've empowered you to help us change them? So I just don't think that that's that's the way that you should look at that. But I understand that the Democrats did well on Tuesday and they, and it's my hope that they continue to do well. But it's also my hope that if they don't do well and if they don't get what they need to get done is that it won't be our fault. It'll be our fault if it's it's our fault if they win. It's our fault if they lose. It's like there's got to be some type of accountability at some point that exists with whoever you put in a leadership position. And so that's the only thing that I was I trying agree, to say. But I agree. I totally agree. But it doesn't mean jump to the other side. The other side ain't doing it. Never said that. Never said that. I'm just saying. I'm just. I'm yeah. just saying. The strike is over. Your movie's coming out. You're so happy. I the, saw show, the movie was always coming out. Make sure y'all catch it. Devil on my doorstep comes out premiere Saturday, November Devil 11th, 7 p.m. That seemed like some. That seemed like some sacrilegious shit. You are a devil worshiper. It's worship not. People? It's a, no. I'm not, and it's not sacrilegious. It is a thriller on Lifetime. What 7 is it about? PM Central. What is it about? What's the movie about? It's about, well, according to you, it's some sacrilegious stuff. I play, I'll tell you this, I play Jenna Dewan, it stars Jenna Dewan. Um, really? Yeah, somebody didn't watch the trailer. I watched it, but I did not recognize that as being her. I saw it. I saw it today. I saw you were standing behind her and you were talking. You that were was saying, her. You I'm were her give, best friend, Sloan. You were, you were giving her a motivational speech or something. You were saying like, you know how to do it. You can Diamonds get it, girl. Diamonds are forged in the fire. Diamonds are forged in fire. That's what you were saying. I did watch it. I, didn't, I don't know uh, why I didn't recognize that as being Jenna Dewan. She huh? stars in it. Steve, her partner, um, is of interest. I don't want to tell too much of her. 
um, there's a there's a new friend that I am suspicious of, and mm-hmm. you kind of got to see how it all plays out. Who can she trust? Who can she not? Who's really there for her? Who's not? Um, what she thinks may be, may not be. It's one of those. It's a thriller, so you know, enjoy. Mm-hmm. Right before the holidays, uh, and you're and you're able to promote it now because the strike is over. I'm able to promote it because the strike is over. I asked. I said, "When can I promote it?" When I saw the strike, they said after midnight, which was today. After 118 days, I said, "After, after, after, after." You guys, I haven't had any sleep now. Okay, I know what everybody's listening. Like I haven't had any Between sleep. Between all timers, all timers, <laughs> all timers, I haven't had any sleep, guys. Okay. Sag. Right in my ass all what did you say? Atra? Sag after. Uh, <laughs> usually reach a tentative agreement, a new three year contract with the studio. So it's at least three years before we have to do this again. <laughs> That's um, like tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. yeah I realize the three years part. <laughs> uh, the message to members Wednesday night the union said the pact is valued at over $1 billion and includes pay increases, higher than what other unions receive this year. A streaming participation bonus, regulations on AI, which was very key, higher caps on health and pension funds, compensation bumps for background performance, performers, critical contract provisions, and protecting the diverse communities. It seems like this was a little tough to get to, but mm-hmm. it seems like this is a good agreement for the actors. Um, there was some hemming and hawing at the end, but they got it done. Rachel, the town is operating again. Boom! S- People are happy. People are in People the streets are so dancing happy. in the streets. I People mean, are so happy. This is like the best holiday gift that people could get. I think that was a hope for a lot of people is this has to get done before Thanksgiving because this industry shuts down like the week of Thanksgiving till January. It's done. Yeah. People are on holiday parties. They're taking off. So if it didn't get done before, it would have been January. And I think that if you've been following along with the strike earlier this week, we thought it was going to be over. I mean, the local news stations on Monday were down at the lines. Everybody thought that there was going to be an announcement because the studio gave an offer and they said, this is our best and final offer. And then uh, it was on SAG and then they were countering it. So we didn't know what was going to happen with that. And I think a lot of people thought it's over. It's not over. So it's been a little bit of a roller coaster this week, but now it's over. And I know everybody's out there promoting all the things that they couldn't before. People are excited about what's to come. You know, you're more uh, well-versed on this than me, but it doesn't mean that we're about to, we're about to get a whole bunch of... Why are you looking like that? Are you okay? <laughs> I am good. Yeah, I'm good. You look like you just drifted away. Nah, sure. I'm with you. I'm listening to you. Well, anyways, was, you're more- to, your point, to, your, to your point, though, I, I do think there are a lot of things that are about to rush into production. Yes. I do think a lot of things are about to rush to production. And I'm a little, are you a little nervous? I am nervous for nah, how fast people are going to be hitting the ground. I'm, I'm grateful, but it's like everybody's going to come in full force in January. It's going to be wild. It's going to be nah, wild. It's, it's, it's about to be everybody. We all been kind of waiting at the line. It's time to get our shit off. Like they hit us up earlier today on Ringerverse with a whole list of people that want to come on Ringerverse to like promote stuff. 
and the list is so oh, fucking outrageous of people that we would have never thought we'd have been able to get on the podcast before. So, I mean, now is the time. You, you guys might fuck around tomorrow and see. Oh, on this episode of Higher Learning, fucking Tom Cruise. Like, everybody <laughs> wants to get out there. <laughs> you know what? Which is, which is funny because before the strike, they hate doing junk kits, right? It's all day. Like it. It's monotonous. It's the same stuff. And now everyone's like, please let me come promote my movie. Please. Yeah. Um, who do you think the heroes and villains from the work stoppages in LA this this summer and fall are? Who do you think the heroes and villains are? Of the of the works? I'm not understanding your question. The heroes and villains the work, of what? The the work stoppages that we saw from the WGA and SAG AFTRA. Who do you think well, walked away looking in terms of the heroes and villains of this arc? Who do you think? Well, the heroes, I mean, the villains with the studio, they came, they came into this as villains, right? Because what we were seeing were these graphics of all this money, these nine figures that these studio heads were making. And you saw these writers just asking for 10%, I mean, 2% of that. You saw writers who couldn't pay the rent their bills, who were still writers, but were having to take on these other jobs because of the way the new structure was. You saw the studios not wanting to give streaming information and all like, it just, obviously, I think the most obvious choice is that the studio heads were the villains, but the writers, the actors, those who were out there picketing every single day, this was summer, in the heat of the summer, every day making their presence, their voices known, the heroes absolutely they never gave up they stood their ground they demanded what they wanted and it seems like we don't have the exact terms but it seems like they got it yeah i mean i think it was a transformative summer in terms of labor unions and the movement of workers particularly in a time where the economics of the country aren't sterling getting better but not sterling to see people uh, live in solidarity for one another and really use collective bargaining and work stoppages to get to a better place. It's amazing. There are some standouts. I want to say what's up to Alex O'Keefe. Alex O'Keefe is a writer for The Bear, and he was one of the leading voices, someone that doesn't have a tremendous track record in Hollywood and doesn't have the luxury of being able to lean on traditional power structures in the city uh, Mm -hmm. that will back him up no matter um, what he says. It's a very, very outspoken young brother. Um, And I say that he didn't have all of that stuff to say that he really took a risk by standing up for workers, by showing solidarity with workers, by being so visible and so vocal about what was going on with the WGA and about his experience after he had written for the bear and after he had, um, you know, told a story about going to the Emmys and not even having enough money for, or Golden Globes it might have been, and not even having enough money for a suit. Just people like that who really risked it all to, you know, uh, collectively bargain and get the writers to a better place. And, you know, Fran Drescher, people think of Fran Drescher as the nanny, but she was really a fantastic leader for the union, for the actors during this time. And there were a lot of people who really risked a lot. They put a lot on the line. They showed their face. They talked about it. They talked about the future of the town. Um, They talked about the past of the town. They talked about what they were living in and how it needed to be better. 
and how there has to be thought, uh, thoughts, should I say, in any situation about the worker. Not the George Clooney, but the person who makes a living just by doing commercials or by popping up on as, as, a, as a guest in SVU a couple of times a year or by getting a couple of writing jobs, not the person that's the showrunner, because that's the lifeblood of the industry. So I'm glad to see that it's to the end. And I'm also ready. I'm ready to start working. I'm ready to get back out there. I'm ready. We, we, we're, we're hitting the ground running. Rach got a movie coming out. Oh, you're out. one of those. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we got a, we got a, we got a bunch of things coming out. We got, Rach got a movie coming out. What's it called? The Devil's, The Devil's Inside Me? What's the name of it? <laughs> the Devil on My Doorstep. The devil on my doorstep. The devil on my doorstep with Jenna Dewan. Jenna Dewan. It's a it's a, a biographical film about her relationship with Jane Tatum. All right, stop. Uh, it's, it's for no reason. Oh, Tim Scott. Speaking of the strike is over. Tim Scott's <laughs> run as a single man is over. Uh, there was a, a Republican debate last last night. I watched it on the plane because um, we had the screen of once again for the very first time in New York. Yesterday, I would like to thank everybody that came out to the screening. All right. Nisha, Antoinette, DeRay McKelson, Alex, uh, everyone, Chanel, like everybody that came out to the screening last night. Once again, for the very first time, Boaz Yakin, the movie that uh, Nick and I are producing with them. Shout out to them. So I missed the debate as it was on, but then I watched it early this morning on the plane and put me right to sleep, which was good. I needed to sleep on the plane a little bit. But apparently, during this time, Tim Scott, a.k.a. The Milk Merchant, brought out his hot young dang that he had, uh, he's been dating, out on the um the stage. Did you see her? 58-year-old senator with Mindy Nuss. Mindy Noice. Nice. Nose. Hot young Mindy thing. Nose. That's what you just said. Hot, she hot young she hot thing. young thing. That's what you dang, think? Dang. That's what you felt when you saw her? I mean, that's what he feels like. He probably, you know how much <laughs> Tim Scott <laughs> probably brags his friends about her? That. Tim Scott's like, I got to be a blonde, hot young dang. Yeah, probably so. And as soon as they walked off the stage, she went her way and he went his. Come on, man. These two people have never fucked one day in life. They just met on stage. if, If the fate of the universe hung in the balance of that woman being able to draw a picture of Tim Scott's dick, the world would be destroyed. Oh, God. These two people have never seen each other naked. They don't know. She doesn't know what he likes. Like you could, she'll probably pull like Patrick Mahomes' girl. Like, what's Tim Scott's favorite food? Fried chicken. Tim, you think we stupid, Tim? You think we stupid? I'm not speculating. I'm not speculating on what Tim Scott likes or his sexuality or anything. I'm not doing that at all. But we know you ain't fucking her, Tim. No, it's not even that. It's just this is such a contrived thing. The fact that they said. Senator Scott confer- has confirmed that the pair have been dating for, quote, several months. They were set up by one of Scott's friends in church and bonded while talking about God and using an app to do a Bible study together. She I'm sounds AI. Up, she sounds I'm AI. I'm looking at her right now. She is a, she's a manager at a place in South Carolina. She looks like um, her first Instagram post ever is on March 9th of this year. Uh, I told you, I, AI. I 
Uh-uh. <laughs> I'm sure. Look at look at Mindy. Look at Mindy getting it. Wait a minute. This can't be the same person because it would seem that if she if she she would have to have more followers than this. I don't believe that this is Mindy. Let me see. Why would she have Who more followers? Th- I'm looking because at her page would, right now. You would think that she would be able to look. First of all, let me ask, let me ask you a question. Tim Scott's up there with Mindy. I, I hope they do whatever they do. The loving couple from back in the day was that Mr. and Mrs. Loving. Uh, what you know, good for interracial. I'm sure it's a it's trailblazing for you. Like what what I'm saying is this. this Doesn't it say something about us that he had to do this? Us. It says something about them. Yes. That's the bigger issue. The fact that he felt like, because first off, let's be honest. I don't even know why he felt the need to do this. Tim Scott is going nowhere in this presidential campaign. I mean, he's he's two seconds away from telling us that he's ended the whole thing. But the fact that he's running for vice president, though. Okay. Yeah. The fact that he felt like he had to have a significant other to quiet people down because they're thinking whatever about him. It's just like Tim Scott doesn't have a backbone. He doesn't stand for anything. Anything. You talk about dancing. You talked about Daniel Cameron. Tim Scott's feet got to be so tired from all the tap dancing that he's been doing. He might be beyond tap dancing at this point. He's moved into a whole nother genre of dancing. Whatever they yeah, he say means, do, he'll do. He pissed me off now. I have more respect for him now. before he started running for president. Look, well, this, this is what I'm saying. Man, you I, posted I, a picture of him on your Instagram that got taken down. This is before he announced for president. It's, it's very you true. But, a picture of him. He called him a white man's nigga on Instagram. Took it down. <laughs> they took it down. Well, look. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I shouldn't be doing that stuff. But, but like, I'll say this: I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be doing that stuff. That was wrong. I apologize to Tim Scott. Come on, man. We trying to, but, we're trying to get but, stuff popping in twenty twenty four. You can't, bro. Yeah, you I'm trying. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have. That was actually wrong. That's bad. But <laughs> what I'm saying is that, like, <laughs> what I'm saying is that you thought that Tim Scott was a pragmatic, you know, a far right conservative that you just had policy disagreements with. It, 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 and obviously there's some big, big, big issues that he's stood in the way of. You know, he's voted for all of Trump's judges. You have yeah. the, the Justice the Policing Act, all of that stuff. But he is so weak and feckless when you see yeah. him up there. He is so absolutely feeble and pathetic. I'm just being real. And I can't say that about everyone. I can't say that Chris Christie looks feeble and pathetic. I can't say that Vivek, Vivek Ramaswamy looks feeble and pathetic. Nikki Haley pathetic. certainly doesn't look fe- feeble, feeble and pathetic. I can tell you right now, I don't know what Ron DeSantis looks like. He's so peculiar. He's so odd. I would be so surprised if he actually is an organic organism. He's got to be some kind of magabot. It's so weird. He doesn't seem like a real person. But Tim Scott just looks, amongst all of those people, not an ounce of charisma amongst them. Like they don't have a Trump on that stage. They don't have a star on that stage with any of those people. And he still looks like a minor league ball player. Like he is so <laughs> unimpressive. And he is so much, look, you guys, I'm a podcaster. That guy's a fucking senator from South Carolina. He is so much more successful than me. It's not even fucking close, but I'm like, God, damn. <laughs> like that's, 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 that's impressive. 
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use gift mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Culture. Talk about sexy red. Are you offended by her? I'm not offended. That's not okay. the word. Why would I be? Why would I be offended by the things that she does? A lot of people are. That, that means that means I'm taking it personal, and I can't take what she's doing personal. I'm not offended by it. She was twerking pregnant recently. People didn't like it. Donnie, give me the audio. We're failing as a black community, if not already failed. At what point are we going to start being honest? The image of black women, and it's not just her. I don't want to make this just about her. But why is it that in this society where they would counsel you for anything they don't agree with? The only thing you don't have to worry about them counseling you for is the negative image of black women. It's not just her. Let's look across social media. Look across the TV networks. Where is it where you just see, a, just just show me the other black women too. If y'all going to show me this type of black woman, please give me the other ones. Show me the ladies. Show me the ones that carry themselves. Baby, you can be a freak behind closed doors. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But God damn. How? We lost, bro. It's, it's no coming back, bro. As a community, we're done. <laughs> it's not funny. Oh. I gotta see so, what this person looks like saying this. So, sexy red was. <laughs> yeah, you I see, see it. Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have. It sounds so, like this. Yeah, it's very flabbergasted. So, sexy he is red devastated. It's barefoot twerking on stage. She's pregnant. Um, Rach, your thoughts? She's wearing like a a um, booty shorts, a unitard, red booty shorts. 
Well, it's yeah. like all like a onesie and the stomach is cut out. Booty cheeks. What was your question? <laughs> Are you, you already said you're not offended. Do you think the image that Sexy Red, Sexy Red is portraying sets black women back? One could say I thought that before she got was dancing pregnant. But here's what I will say about the pregnant and her dancing. I feel like not as many people were upset over Krishan. I didn't see all these. I mean, I listen, Chris, people have their opinions about Krishan and Blueface. Krishan Rock? Yes, she be, she was. I was. I would watch videos of her at award shows. One, she was dancing to Sexy Red, if not with Sexy Red, and people. All the comments were were excited about it. They have a different energy for Sexy Red. One could say, one could say, there's the colorism issue here, because when Cardi B was dancing pregnant, no, I didn't hear complaints, not a one. And I'm not here to defend six sexy red because I saw this comment and I and it, and it totally captures how I feel when I see sexy red. I'm I'm struggling between women empowerment and cringing at the same time. I don't know how to feel, but I do when I see when I listen to this video. I same energy. Why were you not as bothered by Cardi B? Is it because mm-hmm. they look different? Is it because Cardi B has a bigger platform, more money? What is it? I put Krishan right there too. I didn't see the same. Like people can't stand sexy red. And to be very honest, she's not the first one to be doing this. So I think people who make videos like this or in the comments need to ask themselves, what really has you upset about sexy? Check yourselves. I think that I know. So look, when I see sexy red twerking pregnant it's odd to me okay it's odd to me just because anybody when they're pregnant doing certain stuff i get bothered by a lot of pregnant stuff sometimes i see a pregnant woman squatting in the gym and i'm like god damn is that okay you supposed to be squatting sure. you know Naturally what i mean it's, so it's, it's like pregnant a little different or whatever this is what this is what people don't like about sexy red they think Sexy Red is trash. And yes, the do. one thing that America wants you to do when they think you're trash is they want you to prove you're not trash. They want you to desperately prove to them that you're not that. And the refusal from someone to prove that you're not what they think you are offends that person so intimately, I've never understood it. Someone walks in, they have a certain look, they're a certain way. If they are comfortable being that, if they are comfortable being the person that you think sucks, you think ain't nothing, that you think is a thug, that you think is a slut, that you think is a low life, if they are comfortable in that, if they don't want you to think differently of them, it's like a double whammy. Your colorism point is very well taken because something else that exists in America is the lighter skinned you are, the more difficult it is for somebody mm-hmm. to think that you're trash. Mm-hmm. The lighter skinned you are, 
the harder it is for somebody to say that's a trashy person. That's somebody you look like what the company the country says is not trash. Right. That's what right. beauty is. That's what's uh, uh, like uh, alluring. That's what's desired. That's closer in proximity to what uh, to what American desirability, power, um, and acceptance looks like. So they already kind of think you're not that. They yeah. already kind of think you're not that. So, like, this is another reason why white people get to act trashy. White people get to act trashy because we know they're not trash. They get to act trashy. Like, right now, Sexy Red is out there twerking, doing her thing. I could give you 50 fucking examples, easy, of white people that got out there and just got to be whoever they were. Honey Boo Boo and them, they whole family. They whole fucking family. It don't get no more backwoods. Beloved. Because the reality is, even if they're quirky, even if they're a little avant-garde, even if they're a little eccentric, we know they're not trash. Why? Because they white. Because they're white. Yeah. We know that we we know that us, America been telling us you're trash and it's coming to earth. And so what we really want from each other sometimes as black people is we want us to have this pact where we're going to prove that we're not. Like, you look at me and go, you're going to be on your best behavior. I'm going to be on my best behavior because it's our job to prove that we're not trash. When really, it doesn't yeah. really matter what we do. Like, so so what I'm saying is, and, I'm, and by the way, that's not excusing Sexy Red or anybody else's behavior because I, I do think that it, it, it's, a, it's a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, this is, I, I, do think I it's always a lot. say I find her fascinating because, and this is to your point. And when I say I'm in a place of torn between women empowerment and cringing, it's because there is something to be said about like that is who Sexy Red is, and she's not trying to change for anybody. And that, especially in this industry. And in a very public way, it's hard to do. To stand in like, this is where I come from. This is who I am. I'm not about to change because people tell me I need to do this and I need to stop doing this. That's a little empowering. That's a, a, a courage that I don't know if I always have. So I applaud her for that. I cringe because I think we can all agree it's nasty as hell for you to be barefoot in public spaces on stage like that. It's this, nasty. This, the, I don't want to see this. anybody barefoot like that. It's nasty. I mean, I'm. It's the thing is, if it's I was nasty. gonna be judgmental, like if I was gonna be judgmental, I look at Sexy Ray and it's like, God damn, man, this don't feel right. <laughs> I'm just being for real, and I'm like, and I'm a, I'm a human being, right? So all the things that which I just part? said, uh, just about which, her, just which just part? her being well, out she's there, not talent, she's pregnant. not talented, and I've said this multiple times. That's one thing. I don't know that if you can say she's not. I don't know if you can say she's not talented. I don't think she is talented. Sorry. But okay, cool. really? She she can't dance. It's funny. She cannot dance. I said this the other day when I was in the hair shop. I was like, we all know a sexy red. My thing, what I find interesting no, is no, that, no, you no, know, no. Here's the thing, though. We don't all know a sexy red. We all love a sexy red. The sexy reds that we know are the ones that get your fucking party started are the ones that get everybody drinking. The the cousin that's a lot, but you can't wait to be around them. When your friends are around, you go, hey, come over here and talk to her. 
And because you and, know she's going to get cracked and everybody. And so that is in and of itself like. a talent. There's a yeah. familiarity there. Yeah, which I is so why I, I got a million sexy reds in my family. Exactly. The only question I have is, I just want to know who was like her. <laughs> she's the one that's going to make it. You think she's the you, one. Because it ain't the rapping the skills and, it ain't the, and it's not the dancing. But I do. But she is entertaining. I've always said that. I'm entertained by her. All right. All right. A little football for you right now. Uh, you guys might not know this, but Lane Kiffin is the coach of the Ole Miss Rebels. Beat LSU. Um, great team. Great offense. He is, Lane Kiffin is a coach that's considered to be an offensive genius, one of the best play callers in college football. He has had head coaching jobs at, uh, with the Oakland Raiders. He's had head coaching jobs with USC, with Tennessee. Had coaching jobs, so I think it was FAU or FIU, one of those stop spots. And he was also the offensive coordinator at Alabama. His father is Monty Kiffin, who was mm-hmm. a defensive guru um, and in the NFL for a long time. I believe he was a coach with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Monty Kiffin's defense, the Tampa Two. Um, long, long coaching tradition in the Kiffin family. And Lane Kiffin has been someone who you, you could argue failed up. Right. He got fired from his job <laughs> with Oakland. He got fired. He left Tennessee to go coach SC and then was fired on the tarmac. I remember fired that. on the tarmac after a bad performance by SC. OK, when did his Alabama rehab stint uh, call in place for Nick Saban in Alabama as the offensive coordinator? Got a head coaching job at a smaller school. Now he's with Ole Miss. Seems to get be getting things turned around right now. That's his whole deal. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a lineman there, defensive lineman named DeSanto Rollins, a guy from Baton Rouge, my hometown. He has sued Ole Miss for ten million dollars in compensatory damages and thirty million dollars in punitive damages. The compensatory damages, he's suing them for wages that he would have lost in the future, and the punitive damages, he's suing them for I guess pain and suffering and what they put him through. Forty million dollar lawsuit. Okay, these, these are the claims of the lawsuit. Claims that Kiffin ignored signs that he was suffering from depression and that he treated Rollins in a way that was grossly reckless and indifferent. Also alleges that there's some racism involved here in the treatment that he got from Lane Kiffin. Uh, apparently, the way that this goes is this, this kid had hurt himself, hurt himself in the offseason, had some bad injury luck, and the injuries were taking a toll on him mentally. There's one particularly that I know, I know what he means. Uh, he popped his his Achilles. And when he popped his Achilles, he was saying that he couldn't do anything. And it was messing with him mentally. My brother has popped both of his Achilles, Jabril. Oh. Both of them. And the first one, the rehab from popping the Achilles was much, much more mental than it was physical. He was just in pain. He couldn't move. He couldn't walk. He couldn't do nothing. And because he couldn't do nothing, it was fucking with him so bad. He was in such great control of his body. He would call me all the time. It was just crazy. It's tough. It's tough. And there's real depression that comes from stuff like that. Anyway, um, but apparently this kid notified Lane Kiffin that he was going to be taking a mental health break uh, at the end of a meeting on February 27th. And Kiffin told him that he would be moved from defensive tackle, which is what he plays, to uh, the offensive line on the scout team if he did that. So apparently he didn't, according to Rollins, he didn't give him any space, told him you're going to be demoted, you're going to be demoted to scout team. 
if if you if you if you do that. So fast forward, uh, apparently he's healing up from his injuries, and the coach wants to talk to him. Lane Kiffin said he asked to talk to him a couple of times, and Rollins says he wasn't ready to talk to Lane Kiffin. They eventually do have a meeting. Rollins legally recorded the meeting. This is the recording from the meeting that he had with Lane Kiffin. Kevin, Donna, give it to him. If you would have come here, when you kept getting messages, the head coach wants to talk to you, and you saying, I'm not ready to talk to him. I wasn't. Well, what f-ing world do you live in? I don't see why you gotta be disrespectful, honestly. Get out of here. Go, go, you're off the team. You're done. See ya. See ya. Because I'm. See ya. Go. Go. And guess what? We can kick you off the team. So go read your rights about mental health we can kick you off the team for not showing up when the head coach has to meet with you and you don't show up for weeks okay we can remove you from the team it's called being the it's called hiding behind and not showing up to work real quick a couple other things over the summer lane kiffin said that his entire football staff at old mill at old miss is mental health first aid certified so he had said that his entire team, his entire coaching staff, mental health, first aid certified, and said that they were the first program in the country to do so. Rach, what you got? I mean, listening to this recording, it speaks to the culture of football. Football is about money. It's about winning. It's about growing programs. It's about power. It's about status. It is not about the individual who sacrifices so much and goes out on that field to play those games. And the way that Lane Kiffin handled this situation puts that on full display. He, I, I don't even know about what you just mentioned in the summer, but it's very obvious that what he cares about is not the well-being of DeSanto, it's about you need to get out there and play or you're going to be benched and I'm going to find the next person who's going to do exactly what I say for them to do, which is sad, right? It's sad. You think that with all the, with all the research and information that's coming out of football, with the stories that have been told, with the professional athletes who've talked about their own mental health and the struggles that they've gone through, is that exactly what you spoke of about Lane Kiffin and what he's bragging about, that that type of mentality is being implemented into these collegiate programs to better help these players and look at them more as human beings than just athletes. And this conversation takes all of that back. So uh, the lawsuit alleges that other people, other athletes at Ole Miss and other sports, um, that have had to take time for mental health haven't been treated like DeSanto has been treated. And that's the grounds of the racial discrimination that he's talking about. Um, Lane Kiffin should be suspended for the rest of the year, pending review. In which case, if the review is not satisfactory, Lane Kiffin should be fired. And let me tell you why. Um, this young man's mother reached out to the team a long time ago, way, way before this. This young man's mother reached out to the team and said, my son needs extra care. 
he was going through something. He wasn't dealing with it right. Mm-hmm. In a situation like that, it's life or death. It's life or death. You're dealing with depression. You're dealing with anxiety. You're dealing with, he, he said all kinds of things. You read it. It's, he, he, he was going through it. He, he felt alone. He was separated from the team, whole different, he couldn't walk, all of that stuff. His mom was concerned, asked one of the coaches to look in on her son and look after her son because her son was dealing with a mental health disorder. And it's clear that as led by Lane Kiffin, coach who's a lot of fun, a coach who from a, comp- a competition standpoint is good for college football, it's clear that as led by Lane Kiffin, those types of things aren't cared about or prioritized at the University of Mississippi. That tells me that young men's lives, not their football careers, but their lives, that's too much responsibility for Lane Kiffin. Lane yeah. Kiffin is not mature enough. And we've seen immaturity from Lane Kiffin all the time. It, he, he, he gets a pass because he's funny. He gets a pass because it's all he knows how to tweet. He gets a pass because we've seen immaturity from Lane Kiffin as a coach and as a leader of a program several different times. But as it, res- as it relates to the health and safety of a player, this tells me it's not the first time. It also tells me that a lot of the things we've seen in the past with Lane Kiffin are probably a little bit deeper than what we thought that they were. Lane Kiffin should be suspended for the rest of this season, pending review. And if the review doesn't go well, Lane Kiffin should be removed from his position as the head coach of Ole Miss. That is unfucking acceptable. It's yeah. unacceptable. I would be curious if you, at the top of this, you mentioned all the other programs that Lane Kiffin has been a part of. I wonder, and if that, if that is the case, that this has been happening at other programs, I hope those players do come out and say something. And I hope that in the investigation of this case or the discovery process, that they are able to tap into some of those programs, talk to some of those people and see if this is something. Because I would think that if he was this comfortable speaking to him in this way, this obviously isn't the first time that he's done it at Ole Miss, let alone one of these other programs. So I agree with you. I'm, if, if, if it comes back that this is just who he is and this is a habit of his or part of his coaching, then this, is, this has got to be it. It's the end of the road for Lane Kiffin. And you guys re- DeSanto hopefully. should re- uh, win the Super I want you guys to remember, last year, there was a conversation about suicide and, uh, and D1 athletes. There were oh, five suicides uh, in the span of a, of a few months last year. And there was calls for the NCAA to be more involved in the mental health of the athletes. Look, athletes have always had a lot to bear in college. It's always been a thing, right? There's a lot going on. Same time now, there's a lot going on plus social media, plus them being in their heads. And let's be honest, a lot of the kids that we're looking at right now, uh, they're dealing with some things that maybe I didn't even have to deal with when I was in school. It's different. They're in their heads a lot. We need to make sure that we're prepared for that in terms of the way they're reacting to different things. Particularly if Ole Miss is going to say that they are mentally first aid qualified 
the kid is in the fucking meeting with him. Yeah. And is saying, I don't know why you have to disrespect me. Like, get your shit off. You the coach. I didn't want to come meet with you. Hey, if you don't want to come meet with the coach, there probably are going to be some consequences for that. Right? There probably are going to be, if you don't want to come meet with the coach, cool. Get your shit off. Why you got to disrespect me yelling, screaming, cursing? Did that young man feel healthy from his tone of voice? And he knew it was going to happen to him, which is why he fucking taped the meeting. Right. Anyway, don't like it. Very upsetting. All right, so trigger warning on this story. We are about to talk about issues of domestic violence, alleged domestic violence. Kiki Palmer has filed a restraining order against Darius Jackson and asked for full custody of their son. You guys might have remembered, uh, might remember earlier, there was a lot of talk about Kiki's relationship with Darius um, because he was critical of what she was wearing and how she was conducting herself after she went to the Usher concert. She had said, you will, he said, you a mom though. And he seemed to be really uncomfortable with how she was acting with Usher. Now that was, uh, the volleying back and forth of ideas of what's appropriate in relationships, man versus woman stuff. It is now, it was largely unserious. There were some serious conversations being had around it in terms of how you should talk to the mother of your children and things like that. But this is definitely serious now. Um, She's accused Jackson of abusing her multiple times over the course of their two-year relationship. This is in court documents filed Thursday. She claimed that she has security footage from a November 5th incident in which Jackson trespassed into her home without her knowledge or consent, threatened her before lunging for her neck, striking her, throwing her over the couch, and stealing her phone. She went on to say that there have been many incidences of uh, physical violence with him destroying her personal property, including diaries and prescription eyeglasses, throwing her belongings into the street, throwing her car keys to prevent her from driving away, hitting her in front of their son, spewing profanities about her to her son, threatening to kill himself with a gun if she left, harassment, and other physical and emotional abuse. In her declaration, she said that uh, she's finally ended the relationship with him for good in early October, and it was primarily due to the physical and mental abuse that she suffered at his hands. Um, I think a lot of people are now are looking at whether or not there was subtext to what happened on Twitter but between him and her back in the day. And uh, once again, these are allegations and this is all filed in an attempt for her to get full custody of their son. Um, so this is not a, a, a declaration of guilt or an assigning of guilt to anyone. Uh, but I think for a lot of people, they're going to look at this and they're going to say, well, maybe what happened on Twitter was a symptom and uh, of a larger controlling and violence and, uh, you know, dysfunction of their relationship than just somebody not being able to handle their emotions because Usher was singing to that girl. When you saw this, what did you think? Well, I'm, first off, when I saw this, I was shook. I was shocked because even if you do, of course, the first thing that I think about was that viral moment and that that tweet that he put out there and the fallout that seemed to be with her response and their relationship from it. But there's no way that I personally saw that tweet and thought there has to be or there is probably something bigger going on. I looked at it as 
This is a person who's in their feelings, who's feeling insecure, maybe threatened by the the power and image of Kiki Palmer, who, as we talked about, is somebody who is universally loved in the Black community, but in other communities as well. And so I was totally taken aback when I saw all of these allegations that are in this restraining order and obviously that have been going on for some time. And then in saying all of that, there's a child involved as well. Like, I can't even imagine what Kiki Palmer was going through. One, with the physical and emotional abuse that she alleges. One, that she had to deal with. Two, knowing that this was coming from the father of her child. Three, knowing that she was going to have to raise a son and then someday have to discuss the, what happened between her, his father and her. There's just so many things that are surrounding this that I just can't even imagine what she must be going through. And my heart just goes out to her, the child, everybody who's impacted by this. And I hope and I pray because as I read these allegations, I am scared for her safety. And, and one line that stands out in the restraining order is that he, she alleges that he was threatening to kill himself with a gun if she left, which I imagine why was something that was so hard for her. If that's true, it was so hard for her to leave him because she obviously doesn't want that him to harm himself and for associate her reason for leaving him to be a part of that. So I just, I just pray for her safety, for the child's safety. If he is having these type of feelings for his safety, but it sounds like they need to separate. And I pray that it is um, handled in a very amicable way. And they both go their separate ways and realize that they need to do what's in the best interest of their child. So he tweeted about, a, uh, about an hour ago and it said, I love you, son. See you soon. It's a picture of him and his son together. So I'm going to tell you guys something. Full disclosure. Full disclosure here. Full disclosure. Um, I do not know Darius Dalton. Don't, don't know him. I've literally never set eyes on him before. I've never met him a day in my life. I do know Sarunas Jackson, who is Darius's brother. And I do not just know him. I consider him to be a friend and a great guy. A great guy. Um, he tweeted and deleted something. And it said, the most disgusting file vile, abusive, manipulative person I've ever encountered in my life. Abuses almost everyone. Y'all will see. Just send positive energy to the babies. Any child in the middle of something like this does not deserve it of all, at all. Wow, so damn sad. Obviously, if you're reading that, um, it, it, put up there, it put it up there, it was deleted. He's essentially saying that uh, Kiki Palmer is abusive and Kiki Palmer is vile and Kiki Palmer is this and Kiki Palmer is that and that the kid is in real trouble. It uh, actually seems like the kid actually is in real trouble um, now. Uh, Loves her is death. I don't know if that was the right time to tweet that. Um, you I don't know you to, it was. That's why he deleted it. Right. I think that should not have happened. It, I'm, beyond, I'm, I'm, I'm totally biased here. I'm telling you guys, I'm totally biased. I've never once met his brother. I swear on my dad. I'm totally biased here. Totally. So I, I can't even feign objectivity here, right? Can't even feign it. Um, that probably wasn't the right time to tweet that. I mean, that it, it in in this situation with the stakes and where it is now, uh, I know that he I know Sarunas, you know, he doesn't know you defending your brother and 
But this issue is so serious now that at this point, um, everybody should probably pump their brakes until there's a lot more information and until something substantive can come about it because it's all about a lot more than opinions now or trying to control the social media narrative. It's about the kid. It's about abuse. It's about all of those things. Um, yeah, this is terrible because nothing, I get you being emotional and we don't know what the truth is. And and to be very honest, nobody's going to know except for Kiki and her, the, the father, what's his name? Sorry. Darius, Darius. No. Oh, Darius. Yeah. Nobody's yeah. going to know except for Kiki and Darius because they're the two people in that relationship. But the brother is stepping out here on emotion because that's his family member. And this does not help the situation. We don't know yeah. what's true, but th- this right here is a problem, which is why he had to delete it. All right. Rachel's apology rating. We got to get out of here on the apology rating. Timberland fucked over Britney Spears. This is what he said. Crying Me a River is making headlines again. Uh, because of Britney's memoir, she's saying yeah, that she's all crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> I want to call her JT, but you gotta put a muzzle on that girl. <laughs> so you gotta put a muzzle on her. People didn't like it. Trying to be all funny. Right. Try to be cute, cheeky. What was it? Let me hear his apology. I purposely haven't listened to it because I want a real reaction on the podcast. Come on, man. I'm keeping it 1,000 with y'all. But I'm sorry to all the Britney fans, even to her. If she never saw the, 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 I'm sorry, because Muzzle was, no, you have a voice. You speak what you want to speak. Who am I to tell you what not to speak? And I was wrong, you know, for saying that. But I hope you see it from, I was looking at it from a different lens. And what I am is a reconciled person. I'm not a person who takes sides. I try to combine and say, let's, let's make a compromise. I see your point. Do you see this point? You know, can we all get to agreement to say this is that and that's this? That is how I am. So. I apologize to the Britney fans um, and her. And um, yes, you know about respecting women. Hell yeah. Rachel? Okay. It's the hypocrisy for me. Timberland, you can't say that you're about reconciling and coming together when you wrote Cry Be a River, which was all about Britney. It was all about Britney. And it was about making Britney look a certain way. Britney was this Jezebel. Uh, Justin Timberlake was this poor victim who had been wronged by Britney. And you helped make this a hit. Now, when it's Britney's turn to actually speak her piece because she stayed silent for 21 years, you want her to put a muzzle on it. Timberland, I'm going to have to give you. And then in your apology, you say, well, I'm about people coming together. Well, where was that energy 21 years ago? I'm going to have to give this a one. Okay. First of all, that's so fucked up. Is 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 like, for, first of all, Cry Me a River is just a song. If that's the case, you got to do, you got to have that same energy for like Taylor Swift or anybody who's ever made a song about somebody that they were. So it's like Crime Me a River is just a record. 
if Justin Timberlake just a record yeah making okay. a record about your ex everybody the does that is- Right, but it was about. But it wasn't about an ex in general. It wasn't about breakups in general. It was about Britney. The whole song is about a a heartbroken man who has to move on from the heartbreak, and that's why Britney. It was a Britney lookalike in the video. He helped write this song. He helped him express <laughs> this his <is> feelings. <laughs> but when Britney wants to express hers, she got to put a muzzle on. So Timberland is definitely wrong for telling her to put a muzzle on it, animalizing her. He's look at you doing a little flying thing. He's definitely wrong for that, right? That's for sure. He's definitely wrong for that, for sure, one thousand percent. But this ain't got to do with goddamn crime or river, man. That's a long time ago. I'm saying that he said no. He said he believes in people coming together and reconciling and being able to talk about it. Well, that's what Brittany was trying to do. I mean, in response to what y'all did years ago, she didn't say anything. So it's okay for y'all okay. to do this, but not for her. So I'm gonna give him a one because he at least tried to apologize. Okay, okay, cool. A one. That's about the average with the Rachel's apology. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. Okay. So we have mailbag. Um, no, no mailbag. We gotta go. It's over. Uh, look, you guys. You gotta go. Definitely. You Take gotta go. Caps <laughs> off, but do not stop learning. I'm Van Lathan Jr. I'm Rachel Lynn Lindsay. Bye, guys.